Today, we are going to visit a Bible story. Who loves the Bible stories? I do. And we're going to visit the Bible story known as Daniel in the lion's den. What an awesome story. I can see you all think it's an awesome story. It's found in Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story as quickly as I can. And then we're going to draw out three significant points for us all today. So here we go. Are you ready, everybody? Yes, I'm ready. Amen. So Daniel, just a little bit of background. Daniel uh, was a teenage Jewish boy living in Jerusalem in 605 BC when he witnessed the destruction of his home by the infamous Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Young Daniel was then forcibly taken to Babylon as a captive. And since he was young, he was educated in the ways of the Babylonians. And then he got a job. Who would like a job today? Maybe we need to pray about that. He got a job as a public servant. Do we have any public servants here today? Amen. And he got a job as a public servant, living and working hard for the king and government within Babylon. And he enjoyed great success. Eventually, after many years had passed, Babylon itself was then conquered. What goes around comes around, right? And they were were conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And the new king, who was named Darius, a very famous king, was very familiar with Daniel. And Daniel was an older man by now. And he was familiar with Daniel's previous service to Nebuchadnezzar. And so King Darius made plans to place Daniel over the entire empire as now as his assistant. So that's what happened. However, some other administrators and high-ranking public officials became jealous of Daniel. Folks, jealousy is not a good thing. Jealousy is not a good thing. It eats away at you. And anyway, these people were jealous and they wanted to discredit Daniel before King Darius. And so so they started looking for some fault in the way Daniel was handling the government affairs. But they could not find anything to criticise or condemn because Daniel was squeaky clean. Do we have anybody here who's squeaky clean? Okay, three of you. Amen. (laughs) Instead, they found Daniel, that Daniel was faithful. He was always responsible and he was completely trustworthy. So they concluded that the only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel would be in connection with his religion. So these jealous public officials approached King Darius with a clever suggestion for a new law. And we have it on the screen, the verses on the screen. They said to the king, Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, majesty, your majesty, that they will be thrown into the den of lions. Now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials, the jealous officials, went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and asking God for help. 
Now they finally really had something on Daniel. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And that was because the king liked and respected Daniel. And now he was realising that these evil administrators had manipulated him. The penny just dropped. And so the king tried to think of a way to save Daniel. And he spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. Then the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, may your God rescue you. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. Then he got the, when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, 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 servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? He waited. There was a pause. Then Daniel answered, long live the king. <laughs> My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Wow. Praise the Lord. If God can do that for Daniel, he can do it for you. The king was overjoyed. That was me overjoyed then. Overjoyed. And ordered that Daniel be lifted out of the lion's den. And not a scratch was found on Daniel, for he had trusted in his God. You can trust in the Lord. I'll say it again. You can trust in the Lord. Then the king, this is a bit that I really like. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. And the king had those wicked administrators thrown into the lion's den. Amen. <laughs> then the king, this is the other bit I like. The king, then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the known world. And he said, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Wouldn't that be great if our prime minister said the same thing? For he is the living God and he will endure forever. 
This is what the king was saying. His kingdom will never be destroyed. How true is that? And his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What a great story of deliverance. Amen. And Jesus Christ still delivers today. Amen. So I just got three points to draw from this story. Are you ready, everybody? I'm going to go fairly quickly. Who's glad about that? Keep your hand down. (laughs) Point number one is good character leads to good places. Good character leads to good places. See, Daniel was a devoted follower of Almighty God, like you are all today. And since he was a boy, he consistently lived to please the Lord. But interestingly, Daniel wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a theologian. He wasn't a missionary. Instead, Daniel was just a regular guy with a regular job, working as a public servant for successive governments and kings that controlled Babylon. Yet Daniel got the attention of the pagan kings, or got the attention of the pagan king, and he got a promotion because he was a man of good character. When his enemies examined his work and they did an audit on his work, they could not find anything to criticise or condemn. What if somebody did an audit on you? Would they find something to criticise or condemn? They found that Daniel was faithful, he was always responsible, and he was completely trustworthy. And his good character, listen to this, his good character caused doors to be opened for Daniel where he could bring godly influence to the entire Persian Empire. Wow, wow, wow. In the same way, and I'm very serious about this, folks. In the same way, God has called us all, every one of us, men and women, to be people of good character and to show integrity. Good character is more important than a person's intelligence or their abilities and gifts. Good character greatly pleases God when out of respect for our Saviour, we are faithful We are always responsible and we are completely trustworthy people. Babylon was a terrible place. It was dog-eat-dog world. And uh, we also live in a dog-eat-dog world. We live in a self-obsessed world. Amen? And Babylon was exactly the same as our world is today. It was very much like our society. Babylon was a cesspool of corruption and idolatry. Yet in spite of that culture of Babylon, Daniel still went about his work with integrity and good character. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. What matters is what we are doing. Daniel gave his best when faced with a task. Daniel did not cheat people. He was consistent. He did not take advantage of others. Daniel was not corrupt. He could not be bribed. He was honest and he was fair. He was respectful and he did the right thing by his employer, even though his employer, the king, really was a wicked despot. Daniel still did the right thing by his employer. Daniel behaved this way 
Because he saw his life as a way that he could honour the Lord. You know, we all want to honour the Lord. And it's more than just singing and lifting our hands on a Sunday morning. It's how we live our life throughout the week. In the same way, the Bible encourages us to work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. You're working for the Lord. You say, oh no, only pastors work for the Lord. That's just rubbish. We all work for the Lord, whatever we do. Do it unto the Lord. And when you do that, God will see your good attitude and see your effort because it takes effort and he will reward you and he will bless you accordingly. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. Daniel was noticed by the emperor and he received promotion because he could be trusted. This is a really big issue. The king, you see, was desperate for people he could trust. He couldn't find people he could trust because there was not a lot of trustworthy men in Babylon. A trustworthy man, a trustworthy woman is a rare thing these days. And Daniel's trustworthiness made him valuable to the king. And it is the same today. Let us train ourselves to be people of good character who are trustworthy and reliable. And this applies to every area of our lives, including how we behave at home as well. Good character is highly esteemed by God because Jesus Christ is the author of a good character. So point number one is good character leads to good places. And everybody said, and they shouted, Amen. 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 Are you going to remember this tomorrow? Yeah, sure you are. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray that you do, that it percolates right down. Amen. When you're at work this week, you're going to remember that? Amen. I'm working for the Lord. This is for the Lord. This is for the Lord. Point number two is prayer is our spiritual oxygen. Prayer is our spiritual oxygen. That's point number two. So Daniel's jealous enemies could not find any corruption in Daniel. So what did they do? They attacked his faith. They tricked the emperor into signing a law that forbade anyone from praying to any God other than to the emperor. But the Bible says about Daniel, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows, with his windows open towards Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. I just love this. A law gets signed, attacking his faith, but he still continues doing his thing and honouring God. Amen? Amen? Let's not become intimidated by the world. Amen? Clearly, not only was Daniel a man of good character, but he was also a praying man. And, and you see, good character and prayer go hand in hand. Because you need to spend time with Jesus to become a person of good character. Good character and prayer, they go hand in hand. Concerning prayer, someone once said this, The devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon their knees. And today here at Real Life Church, you might not have read the whole Bible. You might see yourself as being the weakest Christian. But when you call upon the name of the Lord in prayer, you become somebody powerful. Amen. Because God answers prayer. Someone else rightly said, seven days without prayer makes one week. Seven days without prayer 
makes one weak. And that's true too. It's also true that now more than ever, our society needs the earnest prayers of those who belong to God. It's true that now more than ever, our society needs the earnest prayers of those who belong to God. And it's also true that those who belong to God, it's true that those who belong to God, that that we need to rediscover the power of earnest praying. The church throughout Australia has lost the art of prayer. We need to rediscover the art, the practice of praying to the Lord our God with earnestness. There's nothing more noble. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing more significant. And there's nothing more necessary than to pray to Almighty God in the name of Jesus Christ and to call upon His name. We gotta pray. You can pray. Anybody can pray. We just gotta pray. That's why the Bible says, never stop praying. The Bible also says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And the Bible declares on our screens, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Got to pray. Pray for your kids, your family, your neighbour, Australia. When I was in my late teens, living with my parents, something happened in my life. A couple of things happened. But something happened where I was challenged by the Holy Spirit to seek Him in prayer. And when I was a teenager, prayer wasn't cool like it's not cool today. But I remember being challenged. And so I decided to get up early each morning and go with my Bible to pray in the garden shed. We lived on a quarter acre block, shed down the back. And I'd go down to the garden shed where I could have some privacy to pray because I shared a bedroom. I used to share a bedroom with my brother. So I used to go out there to pray. And in the shed, I had a piece of carpet, just a carpet square to kneel on and a chair to lean against. And in that garden shed, as a teenager, that's where I met with God for a number of years. Then I got married. Praise God. Just want to just emphasize that. It was a good, it was a good thing. <laughs> and Rochelle and I were madly in love, got married, and then we moved into a small house in Armadale. Praise God for Armadale. <laughs> um, we used to live up on Lensham Place, I think, was where we first uh, got a place. Anyway, and so, and also, I, I, I just lost a job just as I got married. And Michelle was, we got married and we were both unemployed. How about that? We had nothing except love. Anyway, no, added to the We got married on love, okay. Um, so, uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't get a job. The job that I wanted uh, with my education, I couldn't get a job. So I got a job, and I believe, you know, you, you work no matter what. And still believe that. And so I got a job shoveling concrete for a few weeks while I was still looking for a job. 
Uh, but that few weeks turned into 14 long months of shoveling concrete. But, and so I had to start work at 6 a.m. each day. So that, that means I had to change my, my prayer time slot. So I changed it from the morning because, you know, you've got to get up earlier. And uh, Rochelle in those days used to drive me to work. And so I, I then changed my slot to when I came late in the afternoon that I'd pray then and when I got home from work. So I would kneel then at our bed and I'd pray just like I used to in the garden shed. And most times Rochelle would come into the room and find that I'd fallen asleep praying because I was tired from shoveling concrete. But even though I fell asleep, still kept that appointment with God. Because God could speak to you while you're asleep. Amen. Amen. Then I eventually I got a job working in the city, a job that I wanted and, uh, and that I enjoyed. And also we started having babies, or we had two, and two kids. And so at that time in our lives, I often then found myself my prayer time, I had a child in my arm, burping a child, or they just wanted to play, you know how it is. And so it, it, trying to pray with a child in your arm was, was not ideal. But God still met with me and my child, my children, even with my kids in my arms. It was more of a problem to me than it was to God, you know, so we just need to light up about things. That's my prayer time with the kids. And you know what's interesting? After all these years, 30 odd years, my sons will still sometimes call up and say, Dad, would you pray? Because they know Dad still prays today. And it started there for them. These days... I get up early, I like, I'm an early bird, and I like to walk around Gosnells, praying on the streets. I love praying on the streets. And those morning walks around Gosnells is not about exercise. It, it, those morning, morning walks are about the Lord. And that's so important to me. And listen, everybody, I consider praying to Almighty God to be the most important thing that I do in my life. Preaching is not my most important thing. Leading this church is not my most important thing. Seeking the face of God is the most important thing in my life. Out of that, everything else flows. And so I've said all this just to make the point. This is the point. You can pray to God anywhere and at any time. And God will meet you when you pray, even if it's in a shed or if it's on the streets or if it's in your car to work or whatever, God will meet with you if you have a sincere and open heart to Him and you're calling upon the name of the Lord. You could talk to the Lord about anything. You could tell Him about your feelings because He knows about them already and He could tell Him what bothers you. You can pray and ask God to help you and your family. It is so important that you pray for your family. Please pray for your family. If you don't pray for your family, chances are nobody else is. You have your family that God's trusted you with, your kids and people in your family. God's given to them to you. And your responsibility is that you must pray for your own family every day. And you never give up. You don't go by what your eyes see, what your ears hear. You'll walk by faith as you come into the presence of God and pray the will of God over your family. So important. You pray for other people. You pray for people at church. Sometimes when I'm walking the streets, I feel led to pray for strangers on the streets. They don't even know I'm praying for them. I don't even know who they are. But sometimes I think I might be the only human being who's ever prayed for this person on this street. I must pray for them, for their salvation. You can do that. Without a doubt, more is achieved through prayer than what any of us in this room actually realise. We're called to pray. 
We have three prayer meetings in the church. You're welcome to come to them. We have one on a Tuesday morning. That might not suit. We get men gathering here on a Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock. There's a prayer meeting before this service at 8.15. But from time to time, we have encounter services. And everybody's welcome to come to that. And we can pray together. But if none of those things suit you, find somebody else to pray with from time to time. Could everybody say amen? And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to pray more and more for Australia. It's really easy to criticise. It's really easy to talk about all the problems. I'm an expert at doing all of that. And really, that doesn't help anybody. What helps people is when I pray. You know our Prime Minister, you might like him, you might not like him. Who cares? What's really important is that we pray for him, that he gets saved, born again, and he experiences Christ, that God will lead him and his government to make good decisions. But we must pray in Jesus' name. We've got to pray for people's hearts to be open to Jesus. We must pray the mercy of God, not the judgment of God. Pray the mercy of God for people. God's called us to stand in the gap on behalf of the nation and pray for mercy in Jesus' name. Our prayers are more powerful than protesting and banner-waving and making comments on Facebook. There's a place for that. I I, I understand that. I, I really do. But... Prayers are more powerful in Jesus' name. The earnest prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. I've nearly finished. I've found that when I pray, God also speaks to me. It's not just one-sided. He never speaks to me audibly. I've never experienced that. Once I thought I did, I was praying so earnestly on a youth camp once, and I was just so intense in praying. I was in a tent, and I heard my name. He went, David, because that's my name. (laughs) And I said, Yes, Lord. And my, my dad just popped around the corner. He was on the, on the camera. It was him calling my name. I thought it was God. But, anyway. <laughs> but I've never heard the audible voice of God. Uh, but God does speak. He speaks to my heart. He especially speaks to me through the scriptures as I ponder them while praying. So it's important to read our Bibles. And may, most times when the Lord speaks to me, he speaks to me with a word of encouragement because oftentimes we, I need to be encouraged just like you. But sometimes he corrects me because I do need correcting. Sometimes he convicts me because sometimes my attitude is not great. And sometimes the Lord disciplines me through his word. And I need discipline from time to time because I'm his son and I'm his child. And he loves me so much that he disciplines me. Amen. Amen. How we just need to pray. Prayer is our spiritual oxygen. Amen. And just as we need oxygen to live, we need prayer to live too. You can't live your Christian life if you're not praying. So point number two is prayer is our spiritual oxygen. Point number one was good character leads, leads to good, a good place. And the final point, as a quick point, is number three is trusting God leads to deliverance. Trusting God leads to deliverance. Amen. You know, the jealous public officials successfully had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Then early the next day, when the king came to see if he was still alive, this is what the Bible says already, says that he called out in anguish. And Daniel, servant of the, and he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. And he said, my God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty." The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. 
and not a, not a scratch was found on him. That's actually supernatural. Not a scratch was found on him. For, and this is a clincher, for Daniel had trusted in his God. So he just trusted in his God. I know you're going to bring me through this. God, Daniel trusted in his God. The hungry lions were not able to touch Daniel. Why? Because Daniel trusted in his God. And a lot of stuff's going to happen to you in 2024. There's going to be up times, down times. But through them all, just trust in the Lord your God. And the same God who delivered Daniel from the lions is the same God that we worship and trust today. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just as God sent his angel and delivered Daniel, so God will deliver you from your enemies who seek to harm and destroy you. You will come through. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Amen. And you can trust in the Lord. And everything's going to be okay for you in 2024. And God will fight your battles. Amen. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Greater is He that's in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. And that's the end of the story. And Daniel the Lion's Den is an awesome story. Amen. Three points. Good character leads to good places. Prayer is our spiritual oxygen and trust in the Lord leads to deliverance. Come on, everybody, let's stand.